double shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. God, I'm lively for a 35-week pregnant lady, aren't I? Aren't I? Aren't 35 I? weeks. Wow. 35 weeks. Yeah, I know. And it's nice and cool. Weeks. I've heard it's and nice and cool down there. You'd be welcoming that. Ooh, no, it's actually really nice. Crap, mm. crap, crap weather. Fantastic for a pregnant lady. <laughs> so, raining, bring it on. A little bit chilly. Absolutely sensational. I'm still wearing a T-shirt. Well, well not at this present moment in time, but I'm a professional. Well, I'm in Brisbane at least, summer has come early. It was absolutely sweltering over the weekend in the, in the 30s again today. It's, uh, See, it's come early. Good for Unseasonally something. hot. Unse- you know, I think we're... We're all in our own haze of of lies when we think it's unseasonally. It happens every year. We just forget. That's what yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Unless you're going to come out with some stat fact on uh, hottest October to date in in Brisbane. I actually, speaking of stat facts, this is a just a little fact, but it's not a stat. But I, I thought it was interesting because mm-hmm. I liked the front end of this fact um, generated from a study. I sorry, I didn't like the front end, but I loved the back end of this this fact. Um, this was a, according to a research paper published in the Journal of Happiness in 2017. So yes, it's a little bit dated and yes, we've had COVID since, but effectively the fact is that the perfect length of time to be on vacation is eight days. Mm -hmm. So your health and wellness levels rise rapidly while on vacation, but they peak on the eighth day and then return to the baseline within your first week back, no matter how long you're gone. Um, And experts say that uh, the key to improved overall satisfaction is to take more vacations, not longer ones. Well, interesting. Uh, So two things jump out about that. Number one. uh, (laughs) We're going to dissect this. Number one, there's a happiness journal. I mean, who knew? Uh, I feel like I I I have to subscribe to the happiness journal. So, So... that's point number one, didn't know it existed. Mm. Point number two, Steve from our office, you know, as you know, he's done the Trafalgar Ooh. tours for many, many years. Doesn't <laughs> do them anymore, but no. he, well, sort of doesn't do them anymore. Anyway, to, uh, putting that point aside, he said that the perfect tours were the seven to 14 days, 10 days ideally, because he said yes. it was just a happy, fun tour, whereas he said anything beyond two weeks, people just got fatigued, um, grumpy, <laughs> You know, so so he is a case in point in terms mm. of verifying the Happiness Journal's findings. Yeah, absolutely. So, so look, I, I was a bit hesitant to show Dean this this fact, um, but then not when it said we just need yeah. to take more, so more, and eight days. So I think it's really so in support you, you of could, um, all my you, future. Leave. You could theoretically take five eight day holidays a year with, like, instead of the normal sort of two twenty day annual leave bits that you take. <laughs> I do not take two twenty days, and also thank you to my auntie Leanne uh, James's mum for sticking up for me not long ago when I was getting uh, a bit of flack and I wasn't she here was to actually. defend yeah. myself about <laughs> my, my leave. I just I go on leave twice a year, and um, she did. It's just one hey, of those sticky, sticky office jokes. Hey, uh, wasn't the biggest vote on the weekend, but still significant nonetheless. New Zealand have a new prime minister. Uh, Jacinta Ardern, very, very popular Prime Minister. She resigned somewhat suddenly Mm. uh, this time Mm. last year. And unfortunately her party uh, went to the election and got got wiped. 
So clearly she had that rock star value because she she won it in a landslide only three or four years ago. Uh, So New Zealand, I I think, I'm not sure, it's a little bit slightly different over there. I think their Labor Party, I think Jacinta Ardern was their their Labor Labor minister, so similar to to Albo. Um, And now I guess they've swapped to, they're they're called the National Party over there. Uh, Fella fella by the name of Christopher Luxon, (laughs) and he's the former CEO of Air New Zealand. Which is interesting. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Look, I, I, New um, Prime Minister. I just had enough of politics on the weekend. You know, between the Voice and and um, and all of the noise around that, just locally, and then and then New Zealand, because that's a big deal in my household. With um, true, the husband having projects over in New Zealand, he was checking his phone every two was minutes. Was he was he happy or like does he not care? Ecstatic. Oh, yeah. Ecstatic. okay. So that's a good result for him. Okay. Yes, I haven't. I haven't. I wonder yet why. Bothered because mm. I, I haven't yet bothered to sort of go into um, the whys. Uh, but I suppose if it's the the equivalent of the Liberal Party winning, it's probably got a lot to do with things like, you know, investment, foreign investment, um, lending, construction, sort of positive things yeah. like that, I guess, a little bit more in the green tape arena. Well, the new Prime Minister did come out and say that priority number one for New Zealand is its trading relationship with Australia. So maybe mm. because they've got like a big... You know, maybe they've got a more of an emphasis on that. I, I, I don't know. I should be maybe. more informed. It's hard enough to yeah, stick up, stick uh, to the politics of your own country, though. To be honest. <laughs> anyway, enough about politics. Uh, truly, I've I've had enough. Um, but I, I will say that of of course, the voice vote was on the weekend, and as I was driving around to find a, a booth that didn't have a two hundred person line. I also noticed and, and got a little bit confused with all of the auctions happening around my area because I'm thinking, hang on, is this is this another polling booth with 200 people or, mm-hmm. or is it an auction, um, not line, but like gathering? Um, and there was a bunch of auctions on the weekend and some, some pretty amazing numbers came out, I suppose. Um, I'll start with Melbourne because that's, that's my hometown. Uh, just over a 1,000 auctions on the weekend. And we are getting into our like peak auction season, but listings are still very low. Uh, they're still about 18% lower uh, than average. So we're not bringing on as many as we normally would be. Uh, Melbourne's auction clearance rate for the weekend was 68.5%. Um, so still very, very strong. Um, and I was having a look at the numbers, about about 10 to 12% of the homes actually sell before auction in Melbourne, and that seems to be relatively consistent. Um, so sold prior to the auction. Sydney, though, had an absolute cracker. Uh, about 918 properties went to auction over the Saturday, Sunday, and the clearance rate was 72%. Last weekend, it was 69%. Um, and that is just like, that's still very much so a seller's market. Uh, I know. And nearly. I was going to say nearly a third more auctions uh, this weekend than the same time mm. last year. So the the uh, poll obviously didn't get in the way too much of, of sellers uh, happy, yeah. happy to go to market. Yeah, um, there you go. And look, I, I better, yeah, I better give, like Brisbane mentioned, very, very low auctions, 121. About nearly, uh, actually 20% of those sold prior to auction um, and then 63 and a bit percent mm-hmm. sold at auction. So relatively good numbers, still like quite strong, I must say. But Sydney, yeah. Melbourne, the auction leaders. My, my, um, my neighbour is an agent and uh, ha- had an auction on um, oh. on Saturday in Brisbane and uh, the, the property sold for 10% Ooh. above the reserve. There was six, six Your bidders. Your direct neighbour? So he's, he's very happy. How or good is that? Or across the road. Oh, yeah. Our, one of our neighbours mm. is like, 
he was very happy because he was a bit nervous about the uh, about the poll. That's right. And whether that would, you know, kind of throw people's weekend yeah. plans into a flux. But I no, guess that's he was, why he was I took a little happy. bit more of a, uh, a look this week as well too because it, it does make you think, you know, do agents want to plan around those sort of like big voting weekends and, and whatnot if they think. But, you know, if you're out and about anyway and, Didn't and seem voting, to. I guess you just want to do it around there. But there you go, cuz things are still flying along and although the weather's crappy in Melbourne, we're yeah. still auctioning relatively well. Well, and what are we? Halfway yeah. through spring, so we are right in the in the middle of the busy period right now. Spring has sprung. So uh, I caught up with cousin Luke on the weekend, and cousin Luke. Luke. Um, now cousin oh. cousin Luke moves around a bit. Uh, he does move around a bit. He's lived in a That's bunch of different <laughs> bunch of different ca- uh, cities Sorry. and towns. In any event, cousin Luke's moving to Byron. He's just gotten a job with uh, the Byron Council. Well, sorry, I'd definitely be in trouble because he said it's not, paperwork hasn't come through yet. So I've definitely put the mockers on him. Allegedly, <laughs> though, got a job moving to Byron in the next few weeks. Uh, yeah. And he was saying he was saying that he just isn't going to live in Byron, not interested, but also it's, it's super expensive from oh, a yeah. rentals uh, perspective. And I did mention to him, I said, well, that might actually be about to change, Luke, because they've mm. they've put some some recent changes in down in Byron around Airbnbs, haven't they? Big time. And I think, I feel like we have given this an honourable mention before, but um, it seems to be the trend around the country, especially in in these Mm. smaller holiday areas that already don't have a lot of rental supply. Um, So they've kind of, I mean, it's probably not specific to Airbnb, but it's specific to short-term vacay. Um, So it looks like, cuz, what are they, they've capped... 60 days per yep. year 60 that, you days. Can, that you can short stay rental vacay your, your property. So, you know, I would say that people would probably, if they've got a quite a nice house or whatever, um, it's funny, you're limited. You can't really do 60 days over Christmas when you might make an absolute mozza, but, you know, but you're not probably going to sign someone on a 10-month lease. So <laughs> it's a bit of a funny one. I, I What's going to happen now? Yeah, well, they're capped at 60 days. Now, Now all of New South Wales is capped at 180 days. So, so anywhere in New South Wales, you can't rent out a place if you're doing short-term stays for more than 180 days in a year. But anything longer than 21 days doesn't count towards the 180-odd. The so, um, you know, it's restricted, but it's not, it's not too onerous, I guess. Byron's gone and levelled up and, and the Byron Shire, Byron Shire Council, um, they had to get permission from the New South Wales State Government to do this. Mm. It's based on the fact that there is not a lot of housing and it's hard to introduce new housing uh, down in Byron. So they have, they've capped it at 60 days. So in other words, the moment that you uh, rent out your home on Airbnb for more than 60 days, you'd be subject to penalties um, and fines and, and and all that sort of thing. And, mm. and and they will be quite severe. They'll be in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it, it will be a significant um, sort of penalty and impediment for people to do it. It's pretty radical. Like it's pretty it's, radical that they are going to the lengths of saying mm. that, that you cannot rent out the home that you paid very good money for probably in Byron Bay. Mm. Mm. Um, for any longer than 60 days. I mean, I guess it's it's going to do one or two things. It's going to create, like, sceptically more vacant homes mm. <laughs> with uh, people that are just holiday makers and it's their, their beach house. 
you know, that they cannot rent out to create more vacant homes um, or, which is the goal, obviously, of, of buy and show, it'll bring on more private rental properties for, the, for, that, for that market. But I wonder how much more feasible this makes like these boutique hotels and, and boutique, you know, purpose-built um, motels and, and whatnot oh, a lot more. for you to come in because, you know, the hotels will be rubbing their hands together going, you'll be okay. We're not, you know, we're not competing anymore. It's back to yeah. business as we know it. Well, obviously the rationale is that it's it's hoping a lot of holiday homes will be put into the long-term uh, rent pool because 60 days isn't enough to get a decent income. You do wonder though, like, like, Will, will a bunch of people put a six-month lease up through winter and then yeah. collect the big bucks over the 60 kind of main Surely. days of summer? Probably. So it might not actually achieve what they're wanting, um, but it comes into effect from September 26 next year, 2025, depending on I when you time. listen. Uh, to, uh, 24, sorry, depending on when you listen to the uh, the pod. So <laughs> between now and September, probably not a bad time to try and nip down to Byron if you want to have a bit <laughs> of a getaway because the, the short-term stay will become a lot more expensive come uh, October next year. I won't be there, Carlos. Byron, that ship has sailed for me. Byron was cool. Now it's, uh, it's not cool. It's not cool anymore. Well, I reckon there's probably... 100,000 Sydney siders that disagree with you, but yes. <laughs> hey, uh, I'll throw to you on this one, Alex, because this is still your wheelhouse. You're you're still very much sort of. entrenched in the local goings-on down in Adelaide there. <laughs> and uh, the big big news is massive headline numbers, $61.5 million sale of an old brewery in Adelaide. Mm. Now, the brewery is the West End Brewery. Uh, some of the... Podcast listeners may be familiar with West End Beer. It's a, it's a fairly well-known Adelaide local. Um, no longer brewing, obviously, out of this location, but it's in, uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Thebiton, Thebarton, <laughs> Thebiton. That's, that's uh, how I know, I know and understand it to be, but I, I yeah. could be wrong. Be Pretty wrong. much three, point, three to four kilometres north of the CBD and it is about an eight and a half hectare site. So massive, massive site, um, capable of having as many as a thousand dwellings. It's been bought by the government. <laughs> Mate, it always makes me laugh when you say, I'll throw to you, and then you basically give all the information in the intro. So there's, there's not a lot to throw to me on, but <laughs> but I'll add to it. Yeah, I'll give it a crack. What are your thoughts? Good, <laughs> good buy? Good site? Oh, oh. Well, can I say that what amazes me the most about Adelaide and has since we started going over there from 2017 is how much stuff uh, or land the government owns or, or buys. Right. It, it's um, polarising. I've, I've so never they're a sort big developer in their own. Yeah, they're so a big they're, developer they're, in their own, right? Yeah, well, pretty much big private developer in, in some sense of, of the word private. But they do. They've got their own development entity. A lot of it is in land. Um just, I've never really seen it like I've seen it in, in Adelaide firsthand. And this particular uh, branch of the, the Labor government or the, the current South Australian government is um, Renewal SA. So that's what they purchase quite a lot of their land in. So this one was purchased, as you said, $61.5 million. It's a massive 8.4 hectare site. And they're going to try to push out about 1,000 dwellings. Um, no surprises with their SA state government. They want to make about 20% of that affordable housing. Um, so mm -hmm. under or, or around the median house price, and they'll probably push it to a lot of those uh 
critical workers or emergency service workers and stuff like that. But yeah, it is it is pretty good buying. I mean, what did we put it at sixty one thousand a dwelling? Something like yeah. that. And there could be there could be possibility for them to increase that density. I'd mm-hmm. love to know what how dense that actually looks. Um but well, yeah, really fantastic. Like- the limited times that I've been there, the north of the city is is a bit of a hub. Like that's where the the, oh, the Adelaide done. Oval is. Um, you, you've got the hospital and the casino up there. Seems to be the yeah, more, a, more of the hub in the north. Yeah, look, I mean, the, Theberton's a little bit further north than, than that whole region. But, yeah, look, right. it is probably one of the more stunning parts of the city. And I personally, if I did have to ever live in Adelaide, cows, mm-hmm. if I had to, if I had yeah. to, yeah. I'd probably live in North. I'd live in the suburb North Adelaide if I could. Oh, um, okay. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Thurbiton's not too far from there, not too far. But interesting mm. that the first beer that was brewed um, at this, uh, at the, the Western Brewery site was in what, 1886. 1886. And it's Long shut in June ago. 2021. So it actually shut a couple of years ago now and um, wow. now the state government's bought it and they're going to build build housing. So I guess... You know, you trade your beers in for a uh, for a bit of housing, I suppose. Been brewing we? there for the best part of 130 years. Crazy, wow. unbelievable. Crazy. I, I think um, a few other things would be brewed in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey um, let's talk about the builders now. I got to admit, if you were one of the fastest growing builders in the last 12 months, I feel like you'd be nervous about that. Um, like like normally the top so true the top 100 builders gets announced every year. And it's normally, you know, a massive congratulations to the builders that are climbing up the list. <laughs> I do feel, though, that that in the current state of the building industry, it's probably not a position that you want to be climbing too much uh, over the last 12 months. What do you think? Uh, look, I mean, I agree. I agree there's, there's your usual suspects, isn't there? You know, guys that... Um, already have their buildings, you know, building starts locked in, you know, your Metricons, your, your ABN groups, you, you've got your, your Simmons, you've got your usual suspect. If there's someone in there that you've maybe never heard of before, <laughs> I don't know, like they might have a different finance structure or, or you know, they're picking up the pieces from a couple of the other guys, but yeah, probably have to agree with that statement. Probably have to agree. I mean, the, look, the top 20 um, we would know or have heard of most of these builders. And it's interesting because it does include like your your big guys, like your Mervax and your Hutchies. They're like your massive mm. commercial builders. So they're doing yeah. um, not just- Hundreds of like units at a time. Hundreds yeah. of units. But even still like, and, and sorry to fluff around with this, but Metricon is still number one. Uh, yeah. And by comparison, so uh, their starts financial year last year, so FY22, were just under 6,000 starts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This year, financial year 23, now behind us by a couple of months, their starts were 4,600. So quite a stark contrast. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, Metricon is still number one. Um, and then I, I look to like Meriton Apartments, who are literally building hundreds, if not thousands, at a time, um, mm. and they're a little bit further down the list. Mm. And and so interesting that your Metricon, who are like your single dwelling player, more often than not, maybe also townhouses, um, are still smoking that of Meriton Apartments. And in- interestingly, to, to that point you just made earlier, some of the bigger builders did really drop their numbers, and Hutchies was one of them. They went from position number three last year to mm. number 13 they had a 60, 
nearly two-thirds less um, construction starts this year compared to the year before. So clearly an intentional move on on their Mm. their behalf. And you you anecdotally read a lot that that the high-rise builders aren't that keen for work at the moment because they're struggling to sort of um, figure out what they can can build something for. Yeah, uh, they're saying, you know, this is our price, take it or leave it, and, and we're happy to walk away from the job rather than lose yeah. a truckload of money. And and BGC Group, massive um, Perth builder, went from fourth place in 2021. They dropped to 10th place last year and they now are number 22. They're not even in the top 20. So they were the say, fourth biggest builder a couple of years ago. Um <laughs> So yeah, there's there, there's been some big builders that are, that have dropped. Um, Creation Homes, the 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 biggest mover, um, went from position number fourteen to number eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean they've increased their, increased their builds by nearly fifty two percent in the last year. So I mean, but 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 in saying that, like I said before, they might have found opportunities where. They've taken builds or, or taken mm. over builds, if you will, from the yeah. likes of your Metricons and, and your Simmons and, mm. and guys that have maybe sort of reshuffled in the last year. So, you know, hopefully it's not all bad things and they actually do indeed yeah. know what they're doing. Well, I do know for a fact that they do a lot of work um, in Queensland at least where they contract directly with the developer and build them townhomes. So their client Minimal is risk. just the developer, maybe slightly safer than, than having a bunch of mum and dads, you know, where variations are potentially harder to pass on. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, the biggest builders, there you go. Uh, A slightly different spin on that list uh, this year. Big time. Right, so you've given yourself a little little five-minute prior to the pod, which is totally fine. You know, I I allow it to put in something that you think is very interesting and or fun. And um, it's got something to do with 99 bikes, and I literally know nothing else about what you want to talk about. So the floor is yours. I did. I didn't, Alex. I crammed. Uh, so I was actually, I was reading an article just before we started uh, recording in the local local rag. And not, yeah, 99 I'll Bikes, they're a, they're a massive bike company. Um, I think maybe slightly more prevalent in Queensland, but 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 maybe not. Um, they are it, down here. It is an offshoot of Flight Centre, basically. So the Flight Centre family, the Turner family own 99 Bikes and um, had a Brilliant. massive massive uh, amount of growth during the pandemic, right? Because you had a lot of people buying bikes as a way to get around yes. and get their fresh air and their, um, you know, what, 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 did, what did Chairman oh, Dan call it? Incidental exercise or, or you know, whatever he called it. In any <laughs> or, event. Or probably so that, their, their Pelotons and then they were getting some clicky shoes from 99 Bikes. Potentially, and it is my local. It's my local bike shop, shop so I do, I do, you know, full disclosure. Anyway, it's... Um, they made a big loss last year. So they went from a $24 million profit to a $12 million loss in the space of just 12 months, right? Now, mm. uh, they were talking about, and, and I guess the, 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 the headline grabbing um, sort of numbers were that the, the value of the company halved in the last 12 months. So it's gone from a, a $250 million valuation to about $125 million. And uh, the gentleman who runs it ba- basically said that they just got a little bit ahead of themselves during the pandemic. It was so hard. They had waiting lists of people wanting bikes. And mm. then all of a sudden, everything opened up and people just didn't really want to do that anymore. So they had to, they had all this inventory that came in and they had to oh. discount it. So they started, you know, losing money on some of their um, some of their mm. sales and, and, and all the like. So he sort of said, look, our goal at the moment would be to start next year at the right level of inventory 
Uh, but I thought it was an interesting sort of post-pandemic kind of correction story. Right. You, had, you had this massive increase in interest and 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 demand and 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 you know a really good run for the bikes bike shops yep. through the pandemics, I'm sure. And then that's sort of all caught up now uh, and and very much back to normal um, from their perspective. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a sister who works for um, a stepsister who works for a big retail jeans brand. And pre-pandemic, you know, they're fulfilling all of these orders for massive, you know, like Nordstrom, like these these big um, department stores in the US. And um, she's mm. telling me, you know, a lot of them they 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 take the order, they purchase the goods, um, mm. not not your Nordstrom, like the the jeans brand purchases the goods or pays for the goods to be made, mm. and then of course they actually get shipped over, and upon arrival, you know, they get paid the balance percentage or whatever. And then obviously, yeah, in, in, in COVID, a lot of shops weren't open or whatever happened, you know, and um, they've gone and bought all the inventory and in fashion it all dates very, very quickly. Bought mm-hmm. all the inventory, your, your big department stores is like, nah, cut it in half or we don't want it anymore um, mm-hmm. and they're stuck in between. So they've got to pay for to store all of the inventory as it's dating, if you will, and they've paid for it. Um, so it's mm-hmm. very, very interesting and, and probably something we never really covered or, or didn't get talked about enough throughout COVID and, and post-COVID world. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're almost at the other end of the 99 bikes where they probably now are, are seeing, you know, probably a better run than during the pandemic when they couldn't get get stuff onto the shop shelves. So. Mm. Anyway, uh, that'll probably do us, Kaz. Have a, uh, have a great weekend. Hopefully Thank it you. stays nice and cool. For you, I know that uh, in those late thirty weeks, it can be an uncomfortable time to be uh, in heat. Look, I mean, so far so good. I guess on the pod, you might hear me declining slightly as we go. You might not, or you might just—I might go AWOL because of um, the obvious. <laughs> and I, I should issue a formal apology to. I had a couple of people text me saying that my podcast last week was not great, so I do apologise, guys. Um, I was sort of. <laughs> So I was, I was, yeah. not, I, I I would say it. I was only about 60%. I was coughing a lot. Um, I was you sick. were struggling. My energy levels just weren't there. And I, I own that. But hopefully I was back this week. I feel good. Look, I mean, all, all kudos to producer JB because he probably would have spent an extra two hours coughing, you taking your coughs out, editing your coughs out. Um, I also found it extremely distracting. But, you know. That's showbiz, baby. Life must go on. And, yeah, it was. I'm sorry. You know you know what? If you are listening to this episode, thank you for coming back and giving us <laughs> yeah. another chance. Because yeah, I thought I'd lost you. It was, it was a bit dire last week. And, and I probably should have picked up uh, a little bit more for you, Kaz. But, uh, look, you didn't give me much energy to work off. All right. P- PSA's over. <laughs> See you, guys. Good on you, PSA. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.